a Podcast One production. I'm Sammy Lucas and I'm Romantically Challenged. Okay, so yes, I have been guilty of jumping on the old there's a man drought bandwagon in recent years. Even though I do live in the city with the highest population in Australia, I have at times felt like there just don't seem to be enough single eligible men to go around. So I can't even imagine what it would be like trying to date if I lived in a small regional town. Well, our guest Kate does, and she says it's an absolute nightmare. Here's Kate. is Kate and I'm a female in my late 30s. I enjoy travelling, singing loudly in the car, drinking by a fire, dancing with my kids at home, watching the footy, go cats, and I occasionally visit the gym. I work in the social media industry and have previously been married. My ideal partner would be confident, a great conversationalist, he'd be kind, hardworking, he'd have his shit together, and I don't mind if he's rocking a dad bod. He must be funny and we must be able to laugh together because at the end of the day, we all end up wrinkly and saggy. Kate, I love that you said singing in your car because I just saw that movie Gloria Bell. Have you seen it? I haven't, Sammy, no. You have to see it. It's about this, well, she's a bit older than you and a little bit older than me. She's like 55-year-old single woman and she's just got her shit together, and every time she's in her car, she just sings really loudly to all these amazing songs, and I swear I watched it, and I was like, that's me every time I that's, get in my car. That's <laughs> totally me. I'm Greatest Showman soundtrack on repeat. <laughs> I have Rent. <laughs> rent the musical <laughs> or Fleetwood Mac. But you know what was interesting about that movie? She started off, every time she was in the car, she was singing loudly to herself, and she was so confident, and she was single, and had a job going really well and great friends and great relationships with the kids, then she meets this guy, and I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but her life turns to shit and you watch this independent, strong woman with her shit together just fall apart. And then I noticed after she met the guy, whenever she was in her car, she stopped singing. Oh, no. That's a deal breaker right there. She didn't feel the joy anymore. That's terrible. It's a terrible movie, Sammy. (laughs) No, it was actually very symbolic. And I thought that's what dating can do to you. You feel really good about yourself. You're independent. You're single. You're happy. Then you meet a guy and all the bullshit starts, you know, and you think, why am I doing this? Yeah, 100%. And the freedom goes as well. But that's one of the real positives that I see of being single is the freedom that you get that you may not have had for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And, you know, you get to um, rekindle friendships you get to find yourself again and you get to meet new people. And then, like you said, once you do meet someone, potentially you can't fit it all in anymore. So that that freedom goes. So, Kate, you reached out to me on Instagram to let me know that you were listening to the podcast and loving it and you suggested that perhaps I might like to interview you about the man drought in central Victoria. So I would like to interview you about the man drought in central Victoria. <laughs> Thank you for uh, for reaching out and thanks for your lovely words about the podcast. So the struggle is real in central Victoria for the single ladies, is it? 
the struggle is very real, unfortunately, Sammy. And I think I, I probably speak on not only behalf of central Victoria, but also maybe even regional centres in Australia. Unfortunately, the talent pool is limited and it shrinks by the day. So the regional centre that that I live in is a town of about 120,000 people. And unfortunately, the talent pool of males uh, shrinks daily. So typically, if I I talk you through a typical, um, I suppose, lifestyle, you know, we finish high school, we go out, we go clubbing and we meet people. It's so much easier to meet people in your 20s, I feel, because you meet them in a pub or a club or whatever it may be. And then you date, uh, get married or settle down and that's it. So for starters, a lot of the males are in that situation. You know, they've been married and they've got kids and, and they're happy, they're settled. Uh, the ones that perhaps are not in that situation, they're there for a reason. And regional <laughs> centres, even though, you know, even though we are considered a, uh, a small city, it's very small in the fact that people know everyone's business. So if there is a split up, everyone knows why that happened and, oh, don't go, go near him because he did this. So a lot of rumours start flying around, it puts you off, you know, certain people. So the talent pool does shrink. And then there's the fact that if your girlfriends have dated a particular guy, then they are completely off limits. Wow. And I suppose the isolation comes into it too. For me in particular, uh, the whole long distance thing is really tricky and, you know, you either have to commit to seeing somebody in the city, being Melbourne, which is about, we'd say like it's a good hour and a half to two hour drive. So you've got to commit to that driving every weekend or whatever it may be, or you've got to go to another regional centre. I know some people who won't even date someone if they live like five suburbs away. So you have painted (laughs) a pretty dire picture of being single in a regional centre. You know, I know there's all my girlfriends, we all laugh and joke and cringe about how challenging it is being single in Sydney, but wow. Take me to Sydney, Sammy. Yeah. Have you ever looked at the actual stats of numbers? Have you done any kind of experiments or anything where you've actually looked at how many men are available to you? Well, good question, actually, Sammy, because I I have, um, and this all came about because I was, I suppose I was sick of getting asked by people in relationships who are probably coming from a place of care, but they were saying, you know, have you met someone yet or why haven't you met someone yet? So I, my response back to them was, no, I haven't, but do you, can you name three single guys for me? Three single guys that live here that you would introduce me to. And not one of them came back with, they'd be like, oh, oh, yeah, actually, no. So I thought, okay, I need to do a bit bit of a deeper dive into this. So I um, went about and I am in the middle of doing a social experiment whereby I am asking 100 people in my network of friends, work colleagues, you know, anyone that I know, I'm asking them if they know of any single guys between the age of 35 and 45 that they would be willing to introduce me to. So I'm about halfway through the experiment and there's been, I think, three names put forward to me. One guy uh, my friend dated, so I was like, nah. Second guy, he is only 30-odd and I heard he has a nickname and he's called the Tinder King 
So I was like, no, definitely not. And the third one was uh, fresh out of a relationship. So I was like, no. So um, I've, I've even got to the point, Sammy, where I was in a, I was meeting with a new client. So, we'll, you know, sitting down, having a coffee and having a chat. And you know, when you, you, you know when you just get a good vibe from somebody? Mm-hmm. So I got a good vibe from him. He was, he's in about his, I reckon he's in his, he'd have to be in his 60s, I think. So I just asked him, I said, oh, actually, I hope you don't mind. But um, I said, I get a good vibe from you and you've got, a, you've got a great network of people around our town. I was just wondering if you'd be willing to be involved in my social experiment. So I explained it to him and he took it very seriously. He's like, you know what, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to find someone, leave it with me. And so he touches base with me every so often. He'll be like, I'm still looking. I'm still looking. I haven't found one yet, but I'm still, I'm still on so the So this hunt. was a client, you were in a business situation and you said, hey, have you got anyone you can set me up with? This was a, this was a brand new client. This I had never met this person before, <laughs> mind you. So you can, can you hear the desperation in the voice? No, I mean, I hear what you're saying though, because there is that, there is that theory that you just never know when it's going to happen. You know, it could be around the next corner, could be a friend of your next client. Totally. And I think I was probably becoming really cynical and negative and I was just like, well, there's no one here. There's no one here. So how am I going to meet anyone? So I was like, okay, I actually need to find some evidence (laughs) to see actually if there is people, you know, a guy out there that someone knows. It's always good, I find, that if someone recommends somebody as well over Mm. meeting a complete stranger. I don't know, just... coming from old mama here who's seen and done it all a thousand (laughs) times over, I'm always wary of that now because I've realised after being set up with close friends, friends of theirs, they can, a a guy can be a really good mate to someone, but a really shit boyfriend and partner. And they don't see him from that side. They only see him as that mate, but it doesn't always translate to being you know, a nice romantic partner. So just be wary of that. Agree. Well, another thing I, I ask now is would you, if it's a guy, if it's a guy that puts a name forward, I'd be like, well, would you set him up with your sister? Would you be happy if he dated your sister? Because like you said, you know, it's one thing to be a good bloke, but would they be a good partner? I love what you said when someone says to you, and I'm hoping this is something people might be able to use, when your friends say to you, I just don't know why you're single, to just come back at them and say, well, could you offer three single men that you would set me up with? There's your answer. That's your reality check. They'll probably say, no, I don't know anyone. And then you go, well, there's your answer. That's why I'm Mm. single. Thank you very much. (gasps) That's gold, Kate. I'm going to use that. There is a drought. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about the Tinder King. I'm intrigued. Oh, what? You know what? I've only, this again, living in a small town, you hear, you hear bits and bobs, but yeah, I heard that he gets called the Tinder King because he just, he, he's like on Tinder all the time and I think he uses Tinder for casual sex. So he sleeps around with women on Tinder. Oh, I don't think he's the only one. I don't know what makes him the king. There's yeah, a lot of them on true. there. In a way, I, I don't mind the idea that everybody knows everybody because I'm thinking about what happens here when you, you know, you might meet someone, you don't know anything about him, he's from the other side of town, you've never met him before, you don't know any of his friends and it can take a while to work out that the guy's a massive douchebag and is <laughs> cheating or, you know, was having an affair for 10 years with his wife or something, whereas you mm. know all that stuff. Like, so you can save a lot of time if everybody knows everybody. So you were that girl that went to school, met a guy, got married, 
and had kids in all in this regional town and now you're divorced. Is there a stigma that surrounds divorce in small towns? Because I, I think we've sort of lost that a bit in the big cities. Yeah, I feel that there is and it might just be me making up my own story in my head, but I feel it's getting better because it's becoming more common. Mm. It's, you know, I've met some great girlfriends that were complete strangers to me prior to becoming single and we lean on each other so much now and we're, you know, it's it's going to take a lot to become unsingle, I feel, because now that's just a part of me, that's part, a part of my identity and I've built my life around this single status because I know that, you know, on weekends where I don't have my children, I can do this, I can do that, I can work, I can got that freedom to do whatever. So I feel initially when when I did become separated, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm that single mum. But now I completely own it and it's it's a part of my identity. So as I said, yeah. it's going to take a fair bit to um to become a woman, taken woman again. Do you think that the fear of being divorced in a small town kept you in your marriage for maybe longer than you ideally would have liked to be there? No, no, not at all. So you just knew it was time to get out? Yeah, and I didn't even think of, I actually didn't even think of dating again anyway. Like I just was, I need to remove myself and I didn't even go, oh, I can't wait to get back on the scene again. It was, it took a long time for me actually to become ready to then go, okay, I might as well start putting myself out there again, see what there is, only to be very disappointed. However, I'm sure there is guys out there, um, just haven't stumbled across them yet. That's why our single people need to really spend time together because spending time with people who are in the same situation with you, particularly at this age, you know, you're almost 40. It's a different mindset, I think, being single, particularly when you've got kids. But we'll get to that. I want to talk yeah. about that moment when you you became single. I think you were 34, mm-hmm. is that right? Yep. What was that moment like? Was it a bit of a light bulb moment for you? Um, I was probably more so in survival mode, I think, just um, with everything. So I was like, okay, I've I've separated and now I've got two, because the babies, my babies are quite small at the time. So I was just in survival mode and looking after them, really. So it didn't actually, didn't really, I, I just kept myself busy. Like I really kept myself super busy, probably to distract myself from my situation. So it wasn't probably till twelve months later. I was like, actually, okay, I'm, I'm this is it. I'm, I'm single, but I, I was never daunted by it. I never sort of thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be me for the rest of my life, because I never, um, I didn't look upon it as a bad thing. I really didn't, and I didn't myself. I didn't put any stigma on myself that I, you know. This, this is going to be it and people are going to be saying, oh, look at, you know, look at her. She's a single mum now. I'm guessing, though, at, at 34 with two little babies, you was there a part of you thinking, okay, this wasn't part of the plan? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, was, I was 34 living with, back living with my parents and I was unemployed, living the dream. Like I'd totally gone from a family environment to then back at my folks' house and yeah, like I said, no job. So I went through a complete transformation, like absolute complete transformation of who I was prior to that to where I am today. So yeah, I was <laughs> I'd sit there and just shake my head, going, "This, what's going on?" Yeah, like, it was all a bit of a blur, I must admit. 
But yeah, and then you sort of think like, oh, well, I'll just meet someone. Like when the time's right, I'll meet someone. But here we are nearly five years later. (laughs) But to be honest, I'm not actually going, I need to meet someone. I'm not there. I'm just, I'm happy being single. I actually genuinely are. Although I firmly believe that people don't think I am. People think that I need to have a partner to be happy. And it actually came up, um, some information got back to me, as it does in a small town, that uh, a friend of mine had been having an argument with her her husband and he said, well, he said, well, just leave then and be unhappy like Kate as a single mum. And, and that got back to me and I was like, wow. I was like, he has no idea of of how happy I actually am, that I don't need somebody to um, fill a void that there, because there is no void. So your friend's husband thinks you're some pathetic, miserable, lonely woman sitting alone at home and he's basically using you as a warning of what his wife's life could become if he leaves her. He sounds like a charmer. Jeez, yeah, has she left absolute him yet? catch. Does she need any help? No, it's <laughs> peaks and troughs there, peaks and troughs. <laughs> and and so what did you, did you confront her when she told you this or? Did... You know what? It's not worth giving it airtime. It really isn't because people, like I found that some people, um, they're just ignorant to the fact that you can be happy being single. And look, that is because, a mindset and I have spoken mm. about this repeatedly and it's so great to, to keep hearing it from people like you, you know, a single mum of two, that it is a shame that we still feel like we have to justify our happiness in being single to people. But you can also kind of understand, I mean, maybe you were that person in your late 20s and early 30s when you were happily married. You can't imagine being single over a certain age or past a certain age. It's just not in your realm of consciousness. And I know for probably some of my married friends, it's their greatest fear to end up being where I am, single, almost 50. Like They just can't comprehend it. I'd have to completely agree. And and I was that person. I, I have, um, Unfortunately, I have to admit I was that person. I was, you know, happily married and I used to look at some of my single friends and think, oh, poor them, poor them. But it's completely opposite. And, you know, an, another example that um, happened only about three weeks ago, I was talking to a married friend and she was like, we need to plan a holiday. I'm like, yep, that's a great idea. Let's, you know, plan a family holiday. So it was going to be her, her hubby and the kids plus another friend, the hubby and the kids. And then she said to me and she goes, and when you get your part, no, she's turned around and she said to me, and you can come along with your new partner and kids. And what like, new partner? What new partner? <laughs> a, what new partner? And B, oh, I'm just happy to come along with the kids and hang out with you guys. Oh, so were you only invited if you were part of a couple? Well, she sort of, I think the way she was positioning it was, you know, you're going to meet someone soon. So yeah, he can come along. <laughs> That's, she probably meant well, but it came yeah. across to me as, I was just like, no, I'm happy to come single. And I actually, that's one part about being single that I miss is hanging out with guys. So like hanging out with friends, husbands, because I feel that um, when I became single, I did lose contact with friends and who who were married, not, not my close girlfriends, but friends of my and my husband's. And I find that couples tend to hang out with couples and whether they mean it intentionally or not, you get that too, do you? Oh, 
all the time. I yeah, I've got some married friends that I haven't seen in a couple of years. They just they just forget about us. We just What's totally get that? left behind. Why do you think that is? I was warned. So I got the heads up by a friend who is in her mid fifties and had, you know, been through a separation in her 40s and she gave me a heads up uh, when I was separated and she said to me, just be warned that you won't get invited to couple things anymore. And she goes, I never used to. And she's drop-dead gorgeous like yourself, Sammy. And she said whether or not the women feel threatened, I don't know. I don't know. I'd hate to think that anyone in my circle of friends would feel like that. I don't think they do, but I just genuinely think that... It's just a um, subconscious thing that happens. They just, it's a coupley thing. Like I'll speak to the, the woman and my husband can speak to the, hang out with the other husband and we can all get along fine. Yes. But where do you put the single person? Yeah, like, I don't you know? know. I don't know whether they do it deliberately. In, in I don't know whether it's just me being negative Nancy, but sometimes I actually think they do because they don't understand our lifestyle. And I, I, I wonder if they think, well, what, what is she going to contribute to this group conversation? Mm. She doesn't have kids. She can't talk about school stuff, um, parenting I don't, I don't yes, know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I have yet. Yeah, I'd love to hear from some married people who are aware of the fact that they have completely ostracised their single friends and tell us why you do it. Tell us why, yeah, because I'd, I'd love to know. The upshot of that, Kate, is that you do kind of work a little bit harder to make new friends and find your own tribe and that's something that I've done and I love hearing stories about men and women who have done this. Now, you mentioned briefly already that you've got a great new set of single friends. Are these people that you knew previously or or brand new friends? So one was a complete stranger, absolute complete stranger, and we connected through another friend of mine because they have a business together. And literally, like, we have the same fashion sense, same size shoe. We just (laughs) get along like a house on fire and it was fabulous. So that was about three years ago I met my friend. And, yeah, we have so much fun together. And my other close single friend, she... I knew her, like I knew her to say hi to, would maybe have a chat to, but now we share so much about our lives and so the three of us, we just hang out together on weekends and plan things and talk about everything under the sun to do with, you know, guys, friends, work, kids, whatever it may be. And I I suppose the other thing since being single is just the opportunities that I've had because I started my business, which I probably otherwise would never have done. If I had to stay married, yeah, 100%. Yep. So I started a business and the opportunities that that has bought with travel and then I've met a whole new set of friends. So that's a huge upside for me, upside, I should say, Mm. for me, is just, um, yeah, new opportunities, new, you know, new friends, meeting new people and new experiences. You you know, there's always a silver lining as I constantly get reminded by a friend. new single girlfriends that you have, are there bars and nightclubs in your regional centre or is there literally nowhere to go out? There's two There's two sort of like nightclubs. One's very young, uh, but there is some nice, like there's one nice bar, but then I find that older, older people hang out there. Uh, so yeah, the choices aren't great, I must admit. So that's a massive challenge, I would say, because literally I'll say to my friends, well, do you want to do something? Like, we're like, well, what could we do? 
what can we do here? Drive because to Melbourne again. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. And if I could do that every, you know, every weekend, every second weekend, I would, but you've got to weigh up the costs as well. Mm. Like you're looking at, you know, a 300 to $500 weekend. Yeah. And that's just not viable every weekend or every second weekend. So you've got to pick and choose when you can do city trips. And otherwise it's, you know, online dating is the the next thing. Online dating must be, well, I assume it must be a saviour for you, but at the same time <laughs> it depends on what you put your radius at. Yes, so, so you've got to throw your net out. You've got to throw your net out far and wide because literally it's you hear crickets. Once you go through sort of the people that you know on the on Tinder that you see, you're like, oh, they're on Tinder. Oh, yep, 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 yep. So once you go through those people, then you're sort of left with nothing. So I was I used to set my like settings on like 20 kilometres and then I'd bump it up to 30, 40 and so every time I'd run out of people to select, I'd go up in 10 kilometre increments and then you hit Melbourne and you're like, wow, that's too, that's out of my comfort zone, <laughs> that's out of my rules. <laughs> I'm not doing that long distance thing. So you sort of just, yeah, like I, I still do firmly believe that online dating, there is a place for online dating and one of my friends actually married her um, now husband and they met on Plenty of Fish so I, I do believe that there's a place for them and I've actually met some two fabulous guys last year I met. You know, there was no chemistry there but we've both, I've, I've stayed in contact with both of them, one for business and one just because he listens to podcasts and so do I so we often have a little podcast text off. <laughs> so that gives me hope that there is decent guys still, you know, using uh, dating apps. But are these guys... In your area or are you having to cast the net 200Ks to Melbourne to yeah, find them? Yeah, so one one was he was a local and, the and again, I had never met him before so that was kind of, a, you know, lucky that I swiped across him on uh, Tinder and the other one he was like an, in another regional centre which was 100 and I think it was 100 or I mean about 70Ks away. But realistically, Kate... Are you going to date someone? I mean, you can cast the net and you can just for shits and giggles put your Tinder radius at 200Ks and see what's there. Mm. But you've said you're entrenched in your town. You can't really leave. So what is the point? Unless you're happy with a relationship where maybe you drive to Melbourne one weekend and he drives to you every second weekend and that's the extent of your relationship. Do you consider that? No, I've definitely checked out of that concept, definitely checked out of it because I, I do want if, when, if and when I meet someone, I do want to have them, I don't want to just have it every second weekend or, you know, every weekend. So now I, uh, well, I'm off dating apps now, but I really reined it into like 20 kilometre radius <laughs> and there was no, like there was no one around. It would just be like no one. But this is so, the thing, in, in a small town like, do you really need Tinder? You've said everyone knows everyone's business. Surely you know when there's a new single guy in town. Like it <laughs> must be like vultures on a carcass. <laughs> so my friends and I use the analogy of when the salmon, the fish, like they're, when they're migrating and like the crocodiles are there waiting to like snatch them, that's, that's us. That's us females waiting for a separation to happen because they get snapped up really quick. <laughs> But I like I firmly believe that, you know, after you have a separation that you've got to have a, a cooling off period. You need that time to be single before you even think about going into another 
relationship or even think about dating. So you're all sitting around waiting going, okay, how long has it been? Now, he separated on the 4th of April. So I reckon by the 4th of June, we're going to go on Tinder and swipe. He's ready. So I I reckon a six-month cooling off period is good. But but back to the other question about, you know, what's the point of being on online dating when I live in a small town? There is still guys out there that I haven't met or that I don't know. So I feel that they've got to be somewhere if they're single. So, And I find that I reckon out of all the dating apps, so I've been on like Tinder, Bumble and Plenty of Fish. And I find with all of them, I reckon that Tinder has most guys in my experience are on Tinder because that's sort of the most well-known one. So especially when they're fresh on the scene, they probably don't know about Bumble or Plenty of Fish, which I didn't when I started, you know, online, I wouldn't even call it mm. online dating, just like online swiping. <laughs> um, I Tinder was the one I went to as well. Yeah, but it's also the easiest to get onto, isn't it? Like you whack a profile up and put your face in and you start swiping. True. And if any of your listeners are thinking about going on Tinder, my best piece of advice is the first time you jump on, make sure you're with at least one other friend, one other, you know, a guy friend or a girlfriend, so you can just have a bit of a laugh because <laughs> it is a, uh, I, I still remember the first time I jumped on and we were rolling around on the floor in stitches. So it is a bit of, a, you know, a form of bad entertainment, if you like. I know exactly what you're saying <laughs> and I'm embarrassed to admit it and I apologise to all the men who are listening and I know there's a lot of you, but most of the time you have no friggin' idea what you're doing with your profile photos. You really need to get some help, guys, because I just did this on Friday night with a girlfriend we looked through oh, and we were doing exactly the same thing. I'm sorry, great. guys, we are laughing at you because your profile photos are that bad. How are they so clueless? Do you know what, though? I actually, I was so curious about what females are doing on Tinder, as an example. So I asked a a male friend of mine who was on Tinder, I said, what are the girls like? And he said, lots of uh, Snapchat filters. So lots of like the dog's ears and lots of, you know, the different Snapchat filters you can get. They post those photos on Tinder. Are they 18 years old or are these mature women? Exactly. I felt like, like, okay, I've got this. I've got this. I don't do any of that. (laughs) I know, but it it, it, it does make you look a lot cuter with that lovely filter, but it's not a true reflection of who you are. And, And guys, like genuine guys would see through that pretty quickly, I feel. And I feel that Tinder is sort of moving away maybe from that whole hookup app. You know, I, I go on there to, well, when I do go on there, like I I don't have a profile. I just put photos up because I feel, you know, guys are just looking at photos anyway. But straight away, if I, if I match with a guy and we end up, you know, messaging, uh, you can pretty well um, decipher if he's on it for just a hookup or if he's genuinely interested. And I've like, I'm not afraid to report guys that start (laughs) saying inappropriate things straight off the bat. I just report them straight to Tinder. But someone might argue that the fact that you only have a photo there, maybe you're not looking for something serious. Maybe you are just looking for something physical because there's a theory that if you're really interested in a relationship, you might take the time to put a bit more information so that the person knows a little bit about you, which is why they're matching with you, not just because they think you're hot and they want to sleep with you. 
But you know what? I've tried both ways. I've, I've, I've experimented. I'm all up for the experiment and I've had a profile on and then I've just had photos on. And to be honest, it doesn't really, well, I don't think it's made a difference. Mm. I don't know. How do you measure that? I don't know. Mm. Do you think you were a bit naive when you first went online? Totally. Totally. I was whole, I was very naive and I, to the whole dating scene, like so naive. So uh, now I feel like I'm, you know, older and wiser. Now I would, if I'm messaging a guy through online dating, uh, then that turns into like text messages, turns into a phone call. Like I always like to speak to somebody on the phone now before I actually meet them. And then when I meet them, I uh, suggest going for a walk rather than going for straight in for the like, you know, drinks or coffee where you've got to be sitting opposite each other and talking to each other in a public space. I'd much prefer just to do a, I call it the walk and talk. Oh, see, I need alcohol. Walk. First meeting, there's oh, got to be alcohol involved. Yeah, the walk and talk scares the bejesus out of me. But you know, all credit to you if it works for you. <laughs> yeah, also, I, I have a fear that he's going to turn up in really bad workout gear and it's just going to be a massive turn off. <laughs> You know, some so, men no, are, you, you, you make that clear. So I'll often just do it like uh, on my lunch break. So I'll chuck a pair of cons on and I'll be in my work sort of gear. So that way, or just after work, so that that, that way there's no awkward active wear type oh, see, situation. I, I don't know because I haven't done it and I'm obviously speaking without the knowledge, but I feel like I'd be much more com- comfortable just sitting down for a coffee. The walk and chat is a little st- I don't know. It's a bit formal. Sounds a bit formal and staged to me. It's like here we are on a date, and I'm forcing you to walk next to me, and let's find out about each other. I don't know. So I think the opposite. If if I know the person, like if again being a small town, if I if I did know that person, I wouldn't do the walk and talk. But if I was to meet a complete stranger, that's my strategy: is just a walk and talk. And then if I get a good vibe, we can follow up with it. We might sit down and have a coffee. Yeah, okay. Like I might suggest that that next step rather than I just find it awkward sitting across from someone and having to eye contact with them. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But do you know what mm. I agree with? And I just made the mistake of doing this with a guy I was messaging with and I agreed to meet him before we spoke on the phone and I really do think we weren't a match. If we had spoken on the phone... I may have picked up the fact that we, we just weren't a match and I probably wouldn't have gone on the date with him and I don't know if that's, I don't know if no, that's don't, wrong. Don't you reckon, no, 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 I reckon you can pick up a lot from a phone call. Yeah. You can pick up if you've got banter. You can pick up, I've actually had a phone call with a guy, it would have been last year, and straight off the bat on the phone he swore like a trooper. So he was dropping an F-bomb, dropping the C-bomb. And, you know, I, I swear, I swear, like, in front of my friends, no worries. Like, I, I'm up there with some of the best best swearers out there. Me too, hun. But, <laughs> yeah, you're feeling me. But I think from a guy, if you're swearing down the phone to a woman, that straight away just is, like, a disrespectful thing. And I always think, how would you go meeting my grandma or my parents? It is a bit weird that he's throwing a C-bomb around on your first meeting. What are the other big big red flags for you? Because I know you like to refer to yourself as the queen of the red flags (laughs) and I say hail to you. (laughs) (laughs) And this is all just through experience because I was so naive. So I've gone through the, you know, the learning experience to to get to where I am. But I suppose in terms of online dating, straight up, uh, if they're not asking questions, 
of you, then that's a red flag straight away. Um, if they're desperate to meet up, like instead of that sort of that building that rapport um, initially, if they just want to meet up straight away, I'm like, oh, you're either desperate or you just maybe want want one thing. Want sex, uh, yeah. Yeah, if they're straight into sex talk, straight away I'm like, nah. Uh, if they're bagging out their ex, I reckon that's another massive red flag. If they're if constantly everything else is, you know, everybody else's fault. Uh, and, yeah, I mentioned before if, if, he's, if he swears straight off the bat um, and if, he just, if he's just talking about himself and money a lot, I find that really... Yeah, I know. How flashy, annoying is that? Yep. How annoying. It's not a nice trait. Some some women might like it and some guys might like it hear, hearing it from women, but, yeah, that's that's not me. But I think I think the biggest one was is definitely um, if they're not asking questions straight up, that sort of, to me, um, shows that maybe they're not that interested. I agree. I get that a lot. About that, you. Yeah, I get that a lot. You say that you're, you know, very comfortable being single. Is that just through dating fatigue or a realisation that you can be happy single or was there an incident that kind of turned you off? Well, there's actually three factors there. So the first one is there was a date that um, that happened and, and we talked about doing that that phone sort of conversation prior to a date. I didn't on this occasion, rookie error, and I went out on a, on a dinner date with this guy and you know, like I trust my gut a lot and stra- straight up I was like I just didn't get a good vibe from him and it turns out throughout the conversation um, he disclosed to me that he had strangled his ex-partner and he had an AVO on him for that incident. So I straight away checked out of that dinner. Wow. You know what? Yeah. That just, that is just so beyond scary. Well, one, that this is happening and this is why the issue with, you know, it's a whole other issue. We can do a whole chat about domestic violence issues in this country are out of control. And mm. But the fact that that's his mentality, that he just thinks it's it's just, I'm just going to tell you that I strangled my ex and I'm on a first date with you. Wow. I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. I should have trusted my gut straight away and I should have just got wow. there and, and trusted my gut and left. You didn't? Did you not leave? No, afterwards I did, but it's, I, when he told me that, I left. But prior to that, I just had this bad feeling in my gut. Yeah. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, this is not this is not good. And then he disclosed that and that was obviously, wow, okay, time to go. God, that makes me feel really, really it's sad. Sickening. It's it sickening. It is sickening. Do you know what I think put me off ultimately is, um, A, I am comfortable by myself and B, it's emotionally draining. So I find you get your hopes up and then they're let down. Get your hopes up, then they're let down. So it's much much easier for me just to concentrate on kids and business, kids and business, and that and that's it. There's no then there's no expectations and I won't be let down. It's it's a common theme. It's that dating fatigue and it is the emotional impact of online dating and what it's doing to people. And I think we really need to talk about it and share, you know, how you're dealing with it because I don't think we're really talking about it enough. And you know what? That's what drew me to your podcast, that I actually could hear people that I could relate to. I'm like, yes, they get me. Like everything they're saying, that's me. Okay. You just made so my day. I put, I put heaps of people onto it that I feel that they need it. I'm like, you need to listen to this. I said, these are your people. Sammy Aww. is your girl. 
Oh, my God, that's the loveliest thing anyone said to me in a long time. Thank you, Kate. Well, I'm so, so glad to hear that and I'm glad that we are creating this community of people that are, you know, talking openly like you have today. Thank you for sharing and uh, good luck. <laughs> and I do and likewise. Ho- <laughs> I hope that you find what you're looking for. Thanks for having me on. Romantically Challenged was presented by me, Sammy Lucas, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Sound production was by Matt Nikolic and the executive producer is Jenny Goggin. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app or look me up on iTunes.